America, my name is Ahmed Yosef Frimpong. I come to you live every Friday about this time. And today I'm going to talk to you about Ukraine and black people, what this means about to us. And I want to start with just posing a hypothetical. Let us say that you're in the great state of Mississippi. <clears throat> you are in Mississippi. Vladimir Putin <clears throat> drops tanks through parachutes, kind of red dawns. Uh, the great state of Mississippi, they draw the tanks up to the Mississippi capital, the state capital, and scale all the legislatures away. And then the, the good legislatures of the great state of Mississippi come to you and they say, Army, Army, please, please, organize all of the area Negroes to help us take back the state legislature of Mississippi. To which I would say, well, I don't know. Maybe. I'm not like... Like, as far as I'm concerned, these state legislatures are pretty much a clan. So I don't know if I'm risking my life for the sake of a state legislature that has been alienating black people. Like, we don't have good things in the South because of these state legislatures. So the idea that I'm supposed to somehow organize black people and fight and die for a state legislature that would just as soon, if not for the federal legislature, have me in, in, in picking cotton. I just don't know if that's something that I would do. <clears throat> so, not all, not all states are good states, is what I'm telling you. Not all states are good states, is what I'm telling you. And, and, and if you were like me, and in that situation... I would want to speak to the other side. I would want to say, let me speak with the Russian representative first, because it might be the case that black people have a better, better deal in Mississippi under the Russian representative than they do under the current state legislature. I want to see. I, I, I would be very curious. I would not knee-jerk go and gather my people um, for the sake of that fight. Maybe you would. I would not. And with that, I am going to leave you with the opening, and then we're going to go delve down into a little bit of national sovereignty and what it means for black. To the beach, oh. Oh, yeah. Sound good to me. Never change the ways for the world or the government. If it was the president, then I would state facts. You leave it up to me, I paint the White House black and it can feature in your front. So this idea that I should be able to, I should, <clears throat> like all people should be able to just knee jerk, be willing to fight for the nation if you're alienated from the nation, doesn't really, isn't, shouldn't really apply to us uh, black people. We should be a little bit more circumspect with respect to that pros uh, prospect. If you don't know what I'm talking about, go back to the beginning of the video, go through my little thought experiment and run that out and see why I'm saying what I'm saying. What does this have to do with the Ukrainian government? It's not obvious to me that, I mean, the Russians think, Putin thinks that the Ukraine is part of greater Russia. Some people in the Ukraine, <clears throat> the, in, uh, you know, land, don't think that, and they're willing to fight him for that. However, I am not one of those people who's going to pronounce whether one group is right or the other is wrong in this case. There's no real ethnic difference. I mean... There's no religious difference. So, like, one reason you would go to, into World War II is because you're worried about genocide or you're worried about apartheid. 
Putin's not posing apartheid for Ukrainians. There's no gonna. There's not gonna be a big land grab like what? Like we just kind of gave the Palestinians uh, land to Israel and then now like support Israel in kind of securing that land and then growing and securing that land. No, it's not like that. These are Ukrainians, and they're gonna be Ukrainians at the end of the. Um, they're gonna be Ukrainians slash Russians at the end of this too. There's no like ethnic difference. There's no big religious difference. We don't have to worry about concentration camps and um uh, uh apartheid because there's no real difference and this is a real empire and which means that like russia's not going to take anything except they're going to just redirect where they pay their taxes <clears throat> and so this idea that you know there's a human rights violation going on in in ukraine well no there's a political rights violation going on but rights are only rights are, political rights are, are fickle things which means that like you might not be a sovereign nation if you're right next to Russia. Part of one of the conditions of sovereignty is like not being next to a bigger power that wants to eat you. Right? So like you don't get to be a sovereign nation. For example, if like when the Civil War happened and South Carolina wanted to fight against, you know, Mr. Lincoln's army, I'm glad that the rest of the nation didn't come in and save South Carolina. Right. Well, there was a human rights violation there because, you know, one of the reasons they were fighting is to enslave black people. But, you know, the conditions and sovereignty in real life are, are really actually kind of tricky. And part of it means being able to defend your, your borders. And I don't want to be stuck in a forever war in Ukraine. And, um, yeah, if it can't defend its borders, and they are Russian, right? Like, so there's no reason to believe that there are going to be mass human rights abuses after the Ukraine's taken over. And because it'll be like what they're doing in Chernobyl. So right now in Chernobyl, there's a big worry that like, oh no, if Russians bomb Chernobyl, um, then, then it could be the case that there's a nuclear fallout and there's going to be all these delays and all that stuff. What they did was the Russians took over the, the Chernobyl and then put the Ukrainian engineers back to work. So like nothing changed except who the boss is. Right. And so you saw a little bit of this before 2008, where in the U S you talk to people. And then every now and then they'd get a letter in the mail saying that they used to pay their mortgage to this bank, but now they pay their mortgage to this bank. And for the people who, there was the same mortgage just to a different bank, that's kind of what, for the most of the Ukrainian people, that's going to be their life under Russia. And that's non-ideal, but it's not something you go to war and threaten the world like extinction over, right? It's one of the fact of having nation states and with asymmetrical power and no world government to protect borders as is that from time to time they're going to be skirmishes and the bigger power is going to win and when the bigger power is russia sometimes you just got to negotiate a surrender so i wish we would be all for like let's negotiate a surrender forget the sanctions let's negotiate surrender and let's stop pretending because i don't what i don't want at the end of this is like some War zone's an awful place. I don't want Kiev after two years of war. That's unnecessary. And I don't think we should be giving weapons to the Ukrainians. Like, <clears throat> I don't think that's necessary. I think we should be all about telling Zelensky, all right, well, we can't get you back. We will help you surrender and give you political asylum just in case, like, so you don't have to worry about getting disappeared. But pretty much, 
that's that's a wrap. And we'll 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 we're not gonna support you. Which means you should surrender because they're bigger, stronger, and and have just more resources than you do. Right? But instead, we're gonna, you know, give weapons for a ground war that the Russians are gonna win because they're a superior force, speaking the same language and aren't that foreign to the Ukraine. It's not even a difference in, like, so I, I say that there's not going to be pogroms or genocide because there's not really a difference in the church either. Like, they're all Eastern Orthodox. So, I, I like, it's, it's cousins fighting, belligerent cousins fighting, and it's a place we shouldn't get involved. And now with these sanctions in Russia, everyone's prices are going to go up, which is de facto a regressive tax. It's a regressive tax. We don't have to put these sanctions on, right? So instead of just trying to negotiate full border surrender, we've launched economic war against Russia. There are going to be sanctions. These sanctions are going to tax everyone. Everyone's going to take a hit. And so pretty much we are now paying the price and subsidizing like Ukrainians, the Ukrainian war. And I don't think that we should do that. I think we should encourage them to surrender and work out favorable terms. Look, it could be more favorable than the, the gig uh, the Belarusians got, Belarus uh, got from, from Russia. Like, I don't, I don't understand why suddenly we take national borders so seriously when we're so casual about them before, right? We need to deal with the fact of this kind of politics and if you actually care about the war and the suffering, you want this to end. You just want it to end, right? So this is different than like the Civil War where there was like actual, the, the issue with slavery. This is just a territorial dispute between one power and another power. And you can say, well, you know, we're fighting communism. No, we're not fighting communism. You have state-sponsored capitalism there. You have an oligarchic capitalism in Russia. The Communist Party loses. And those Russians, Putin's not a communist. Like, like in the, the way you think of like the USSR, he's a Russian nationalist with just a greater understanding of Russian. He's like the, the Andrew Jackson of, of Russia. Um, you know, he's except he doesn't want to wipe out the Ukrainians. He just wants to take them over. This is a straight. This is a straight return to Greater Russia. Right, that in his in in his in his imagination. Which I think is unfortunate, but not something you, you are willing to risk nuclear war over. Right? So, yeah, the Ukraine becomes another state in Russia, and that is, staves off, like, and we get assurances somehow assurances that this is the end which but there's an argument that greater russia ends with belarus uh you know belarus the ukraine you know some land in crimea and and russia and like that could be the end of it and i think that's where we should draw the line but just drawing the line at, at the ukraine i think is a little bit dicey because Yeltsin, I mean, not Yeltsin, Putin's, what, 69? He might have another 15, 20 years. Gorbachev's still alive, if you don't know. So some of the old Russian guys, they last for a while. So this, this war might not stop. And we don't know that the Putin successor is going to be any less bellicose or any less ideological in his quest for greater Russia.
right? So I think we just we surrender. When I say we surrender, I mean the Ukrainians should surrender, and we shouldn't we shouldn't be funding this war because that's just going to lead to more death and destruction and higher prices for us Americans. Death, destruction, and higher prices. So it's not just death and destruction. It's death, destruction, and higher prices. And like I said, if you can make the argument that this is going to end in an apartheid state, um, that would be one thing. But no, it's going to end in an empire, which means that Ukraine just gets subsumed under Russia in a semi-autonomous state uh, like Belarus. And that's the details are negotiated sometime in the future but like they pay a lot of taxes to russia right so like what but like no real change except um this illusion of sovereignty now maybe it's the case that the rush the ukraine democracy is really really working but i i i have no reason to believe that it's any more robust than our democracy so let's have this conversation about democracies we like to think that the cold war ended because democracy won We like to think the Cold War ended because democracy won. But no, the Cold War didn't end because democracy won. The Cold War ended because of consumer capitalism became very attractive. Uh, like when, when, like at the end of the day, we didn't do it with arms necessarily. We did it with consumer capitalism and consumer capitalism beat Soviet style communism. And so that wasn't a win for democracy. That was a win for like consumer capitalism, which is very close to oligarchy. Oligarchy, capitalism under an oligarchy. Capitalism can have all sorts of, democracy is just like one dress. Capitalism can be an uh, um, economic system that can have all sorts of different dresses. Democratic uh, capitalism is one sort of dress it has. Uh, but, you know, China's kind of a capitalist state now, and that's a different, it's a different dress. Russia right now is an oligarchic capitalist state right now, and it's a different dress. And the U.S., to be honest, the U.S. doesn't look that much different than Russia in terms of capitalism. Except, the, I mean, it's a different dress, but you try getting rid of Nancy Pelosi in San Francisco. How hard is that going to be? It's not going to be that e It's not going to be that much harder than it is to get rid of Putin. So in what, in what way is that a democracy? Democracy takes institutions. We haven't built our democratic institutions. We weren't serious about building our democratic institutions and infrastructure. So it's pretty much a political caste um, uh, class that runs the show. And it's imperfect, but it's not that different from Russia. And you know this because Russia is on season 10 of The Voice. You know, that show that... I guess originated in Norway, but then has like a, a bunch of season with Adam and Blake and all of that. We have it here. You know who else has it? Russia. And you know what? You go to the, vo the Voice Russia, it looks a lot like the Voice US. And I haven't been to Moscow, and I haven't been, but like, I wouldn't be surprised if it doesn't look that different, except with like weirder, with, with, you know, slightly different racial politics and different hitches. But I'm just saying that there isn't that big of a difference between American oligarchic capitalism and Russian capitalism. You can say, well, they have state-sponsored media. We don't have state-sponsored media. We don't have state-sponsored media, really? Are you sure about that? Because NPR is pretty much a propaganda arm. And we have like six companies that run all of our news. Now, and none of them will put me on. I'm what you call an independent guy. Right. So 
there's a way in which, I mean, we're under oligarchic capitalism right now. They're under oligarchic capitalism. And so when we're fighting them, it's not for a different way of life. It's for a different dress on top of oligarchic capitalism. And we need to be honest about what that means and whether that's worth the bodies and the treasure and whether that's worth the de facto tax that black people now have to pay because of these sanctions. Right? So where, as the prices go up and on your gas and on your goods, like those are going to disproportionately affect the people who are one paycheck away. And a lot of people, black people, that's us. By the way, if you want to keep me talking and keep, you know, me handling my business, go ahead and go to uh, www.funkyacademic.com and kick in five, fifteen, or $50 a month to kind of keep me going because you're not going to hear this in on CNN or MSNBC because they're going to tell you Putin bad, Putin bad, Putin bad. I mean, yeah, Putin's not great, but like we live in an imperfect world, right? And this is the world we have. And the world we have doesn't, doesn't have to mean going to war in Ukraine, spending, um, not only spending our own tax dollars to send our goods and services, goods and services over there, uh, but also accepting the sanctions, which are going to drive all of our prices up that like, like for a war that's going to end with Russia winning. It's just, it's going to be Kiev. We, I don't want Kiev to be a, like a fallout shelter. I don't want Kiev to look like Beirut. Or like what I imagine Beirut to look like. I haven't actually been to Beirut, but I like I we could do this quickly, and if we just understand, if we just understand that surrender is what the Ukrainians should do. This isn't like the Civil War where they're slaves. That like this is just a national sovereignty issue. The Ukrainians aren't going to end up in concentration camps. There's not going to be a genocide of Ukrainians. What you're going to have, like the makeup of Ukraine and the makeup of of Russia isn't markedly different. There isn't a huge um, uh, refugee, I mean, not refugee, there isn't a huge, uh, um, what's it called, stigmatized ethnic population uh, that's completely different than what's in Russia that's going to now like end up in camps. What you get is going to be a, a difference in ownership, a legit empire because they're all cousins anyway. There's a slightly different language because Ukrainians cooked up Ukrainian, the language, but like, it's just Russian. So what you have to understand is that this is just unfortunate for the Ukrainians. They got, a, they, it's, it's unlucky, but it doesn't have to be terribly bloody if we just understand that The Russians and Ukrainians are not different the way we're used to thinking about it. They're not, they're not necessarily other than each other. Um, this is, and I would say if the U.S. was, if, like, look, if, if the U.S. was Russia and the Ukraine was Canada and we wanted to invade Canada and we just did, I would be urging Canada to just become another state or another five or six states, whatever, because, you know, let's be honest, you're not that different. Like, let's, let's like, this isn't, like, Canadians wouldn't end up in concentration camps or anything like that. 
Like it's it's not that the Quebec people would have like that would be an issue. But for the most for the most people in like in, in, in Vancouver and and uh, they would they would be better served to just accept U.S. rule and we go from there. We don't have those kind of empire uh, like imperial ambitions because there's no idea that Canada is really Greater America. But we did have Manifest Destiny and that was different because we were dealing with the extermination of the Native Americans. Right now, it, like, let's give a let's give a a, a a better better example. Let's say Utah wanted just to become a Mormon state. No, that's even a different religion. So you couldn't even say that. That let's say like not even Utah, Texas. Texas wanted to secede, and we brought in the tanks to say like, no, you're not seceding. Like, is it really worth fighting it out if you're in Texas, or should you just say like, let's not secede and let's just stay with the United States? Because it's not going to be that much different. Right. So we just need to be honest about the Ukraine's like right to sovereignty insofar as it's founded in what? It's founded in what? And I and, and I'm just I'm just um I don't think black people should pay the price for Ukrainian aspirations of national sovereignty that they can't sustain. Um, on their own. I don't I don't really see. And I'm not one of these guys who's going to knee-jerk say that Russia is that much different or worse than the U.S. Um, like the quality of life. I need to, I, once again, I would need to talk to, I would need to talk to Russians and tour Moscow, but I, but they have the voice, right? They've had it for 10, 10, 10 seasons. It's not, it's, a, it's, it's an economy. Um, it's, I, it's just not that different, um, from us insofar as like, this is like, we're fighting the cold war. We're not fighting communists. We're fighting state oligarchs. We're fighting a capitalist system under a state oligarchy state-supported oligarchy, oligarchy, which is kind of what we're doing here in the U.S. So this isn't necessarily a moral war unless you are just doing it for the sake of state sovereignty, for the sake of state sovereignty. But if you support state sovereignty for the sake of state sovereignty without qualification, I have some questions about, like, your support for the invasion of Iraq, for Libya, like what we did in Syria, like what we're doing in, um, like, the Palestine. Like, so... That's not what's going on. That's not what's going on. This, for us, should be about, like, oh, is this going to lead to genocide? Is this going to lead to apartheid? The answer is no. Well, then, like, let's talk about how we're going to open up business for the new greater Russia. Um, I, yeah, no, I think, I, I'm not, I don't think everyone should give up. I think uh, Taylor Scott says, I mean, he thinks everyone should give up. No, I think Ukraine, they could fight. I don't think we should give them a damn gun. I don't think we should fight. I don't think we should, uh, if they want to fight, that's fine. We shouldn't be involved. As in, like, not giving them weapons, not giving them, like, free press, not trying to do anything with sanctions. Like, we shouldn't be subsidizing their war when it's not obvious that they could sustain their own country, which is fine. Like, one of the conditions of being a sovereign nation is not being next to Russia. Luckily, we're not next to Russia, so we can sustain the conditions of being a sovereign nation.
Like that's that's um that's that's our that's our situation. But they are next to Russia and they have bloodlines to Russia. So like Right now, not only are our tax dollars going to support the Ukraines, but de facto, it's a regressive tax because the sanctions are going to lead to like even higher inflation. And those weapons are going to end up in the hands of Nazis. Like we're arming people who are awful people, and like that's just not my business anyway. So like, I I I just I this is not this is not our fight, people and black people. This is especially not our fight because like what. Like the Ukraines under Russia will still probably, but like their lives, the Ukrainian life under Russia is not going to be um, worse or more alienated from their government than black life in the South is from their state legislature. I'll say that again. The Ukrainian life under Russia is not going to be more alienated from their state than they are now. Or, or from where they were uh, under the uh, black people are from their like current state legislature, right? So if you want to fight, if you want to fight, if you really want this fight, the culture war is the war. We need to actually export not just democracy. I mean, not just our consumer capitalism. We need to export our democratic institutions. The problem is we don't have democratic institutions here. We're not really serious about them. So we can't really export our democratic institutions because we don't, we have fake democratic institutions. So what we have is we've exported all of our fake democratic institutions. So we have a lot of little fake democracies that are now covered for oligarchies, right? So we exported consumer capitalism instead of democracy, assuming that the two go together, but they're the same, but they're not the same. Because right now we have consumer capitalism we're under an oligarchy, just like they have consumer capitalism under an oligarchy, right? So, you know, I was thinking about um, the Nordic countries and how, I, like, a lot of people on the left are always like, well, what about Sweden? And they have all these nice things in Finland and the Nordic countries and everybody's happy. And, you know, they actually influence the world policy without guns. They influence by actually being model countries. Like... So they import their political ideology by being model countries. We don't do that. We import, or we, 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 they export their political ideology by being model countries. We are not a model democratic nation. Like I said, there's a reason why black people in the South feel alienated from their government. It's because their government has abandoned them to the Klan, right? If Putin wants to take over the Georgia state legislature, I'm not going to stop him. I'm not going to get the black people to stop him. I'll be like, well, I want to hear what he has to say. Because it, be it might be the case that black people do better under Putin. And they're certainly not like, going to do necessarily worse um, under Putin than, than we do, like, in, in Georgia than, than we do here. So, like, we don't have democratic institutions. If we were serious about democratic having democratic institutions, then like our lives would be better. We would have all these nice lefty policies that I often talk about, like federal job guarantee. We'd have health care. Like, um, so we don't have those democratic institutions. So what we've 
exported is a kind of rapacious oligarchic capitalism and then other people have taken that up and given their little flair to it so what we're doing is fighting over flair and i don't know if we should fight over flair if we want to be a democratic if we want to export democracy we need to fix our democratic institutions at home and i don't want to one thing i don't want to hear anymore is that we don't have the money for reparations because right now every american's getting taxed through the prices they pay for consumer goods because of all the prices that are going to go up because now oil is more expensive and everything everything now it just costs more to be an american and our wages are going to stay the same because of this war that we are prolonging in the ukraine and instigating in the ukraine and um we're being taxed for that for the war that we're prolonging we could not we don't have to impose sanctions we don't have to give them weapons we don't have to let that like change the quality of like our dollar necessarily in the same way but instead we're deciding to do that so it's a war of choice that the u.s is fighting and at the end the poor and the stigmatized are going to be paying a disproportionate price for it because like we're the ones who can barely pay for all of our all of our you know all of our goods and services that are now going to be expen more expensive because of the disruption to global the global exchange of goods and services right so we have money to tax americans for the ukraine war de facto tax through rising prices but we don't have money to pay for reparations that's false that's false so don't let anyone tell you that we don't have money because we're subsidizing a war halfway across the nation between cousins. Between like one sect of Eastern Orthodox Christians against another sect of Eastern Orthodox Christians who all seem like, who, like, <laughs> and the only reason one sect is different than the other one is because one put Ukrainian Eastern Orthodox behind their name, right? So like, they're all, they're all the same like they're not the same but they're not different enough for us to to tax all americans and then turn around and say well but black people we can't guarantee you a job uh we can't guarantee you a job we can't pay you reparations right so that's just everyone's paying everyone's paying for this ukraine war in a way that we were told everyone can't pay to make black people whole and i have a problem with that I have a problem with that. So you wish to tell Zelensky to surrender. Nice try. Um, by the way, Zelensky, a, it's a fascinating deal because what happened was Zelensky started out as an actor, had a production company, put on a show, cast himself as the lead and it's called Servant for the People. That was the name of the show. So, and, so, and the, Ukraine's crazy corrupt, right? So Zelensky cast himself as the, the um, president on TV and then the TV show becomes popular spins that off into an actual political party with the same name servant for the people the political party and then they don't have an ideology they don't have the ideology and then you look at their old ideology they're like well we didn't have an ideology we had to grab one real quick so we're pretty much libertarian and so like they believe in property rights and nothing else and so they just wanted the most vacuous ideology. So it's like this whole political party was just a spun off for a production company, right? So, and then he cast himself as president in the real political party and then gets elected right? without a political ideology, really just vaguely libertarian about government should enforce property rights and that's it, right? 
So it's become a little bit more robust since then. But that's go look up Zelensky and Servant for the People, the television show, and then the party that spun off from the television show. And you just see that, like, it's a bizarre, bizarre. Netflix could do a story. I, I would like to see this Netflix story from 2012 to 2017 um, The Rise of Servant for the People. Uh, yeah. So that's. That because that's like a fascinating. You didn't spin off into another show. You spun off into a real political party. It's like if the West Wing, like, spun off into its own party, or like Borgen, the show. It's actually a pretty good drama from uh, uh, Denmark. Uh, Borgen uh, spun off into its own party. It's ridiculous. It's absurd. So now this guy's play acting on television because his audience, when he's on television doing his little Zoom deals, Zelensky, the actor. His audience is us because we're the only thing that makes Ukraine viable. Without our guns, he's gone. Without our support, he's gone. And I think we should withdraw our support and like just kind of say like, well, you know, negotiate a good surrender. You should just negotiate and negotiate a surrender and that will be that. And like, sorry, Ukraine, you don't get to be a sovereign state um, because there's just not a compelling interest for us to actually like secure your state for you. There's not a, there's, there's just not a compelling interest for that unless we're in the securing state's business, which is a completely different business. We need a world government for that. And some sort of agreement among the 150 nations that whatever your borders happen to be now, they're fixed outside of that agreement. I'm not, I'm not for it. I'm not for it. Right? So I think Zelensky should be on his own. I think the Ukrainians should be on their own. That means no U.S. guns. And I hope they surrender quickly. So, like, Kiev doesn't seem like, doesn't, like, you're delaying the inevitable insofar as, like, Kiev doesn't need to be a, a, a war zone. First of all, surrender quickly, bring people in, and then have, like, a soft resistance and build, like, a, a cultural fight back. Because it's not all wars are won through military, Right? Like I said, if America was serious about exporting democracy, we would have exemplary democratic institutions. If America was serious about exporting democracy, we would have exemplary um, um, uh, democratic institutions, and then we would be a model for all of them. But we don't. We have quasi-exemplary oligarchic capitalist institutions and people kind of bite off that they, they, and then put their own little spin on it. That's what China did, that's what Russia did. And so since we're not, like there are lots of ways to export democracy and the gun isn't the best way. So we need to actually take that seriously about how we think any of this works, how we think actually promoting democracy worldwide works and whether we should do it through having exemplary democratic institutions at home or whether we do it through a barrel of a gun in a way that we cannot sustain ourselves, right? So you do it by that kind of cultural intervention. All war is a culture war right now. And like, if we really wanted to democratize Russia, we would have exemplary democratic institutions and export those and the idea of those in the same way we exported the idea of rapacious consumer capitalism, right? 
So thank you for your time. By the way, if you like anything I'm saying, you're not going to hear it too many other places. So what I need you to do is go to www.funkyacademic.com and kick in five fifteen or fifty dollars a month to keep me doing like this because nobody's going to talk about the Ukraine situation, especially like really the idea that this isn't a particularly it's a kind of ethical war insofar as I believe in states, but it's not it's not the biggest deal. The surrender to the Russians would not be the biggest deal for the Ukrainian people. They just did it and negotiated a surrender. It's going to be like writing a check to a different boss. That's how empire works. There's no big ethnic strife. This isn't even the Irish Catholics and the, the English Protestants. Like the troubles that we totally just allowed the British Empire. This isn't Israel and Palestine, where, like, you're talking about apartheid. This is empire where, like, the Russians take over, the Ukrainians keep all of their old jobs and stuff, just, like, change tax policies. Um, and and the oligarchy... And the, it's not like Ukraine's not... It's a corrupt... Like, yeah. So, this war is a racket. Let's not fall for it. And if you support what I'm saying, go to www.funkyacademic.com, kick in $515 or $50 a month, and let's actually build the model democratic institutions and export democracy in the United States where we actually have control and could do it if we didn't care more about oligarchy than we did about democracy, and then export those through our model and through the culture. But look, every time we have a Disney... A uh, movie where you know the good royals beat the bad royals in order to sustain royalty. We're undermining our own democratic project, right? So let's stop pretending that we we are that serious about democracy in the U.S. And yeah, someone said lots of Russian families on both sides of the border. Yeah, depending on who you talk to, they're all Russian. So I'll leave you with that and. I will see you next week. And I hope you're liking the interviews I do. Go back and see and look through the interviews I've been doing with politicians because I've been trying to actually kind of be a model of how to interview politicians. So I'm going to keep interviewing um, congressional candidates and Senate candidates. And I uh, think you should support what I do. Thank you for your time. Peace.